This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. Series. I've been doing a series called Finding Father all this month. <clears throat> we talked about a father's purpose, a father's place. Today we're going to talk about a father's power. <clears throat> Pardon me. I want to read you something. I came across this story and it, it was so good and it, it really flows kind of with the direction of my message. So bear with me. It's called Meet My Dad, a, a father-daughter story of redemption. Over five years ago, my dad was hit by a teenage girl who was texting while driving. We almost lost him that day. After almost a year of physical therapy, he taught himself how to walk again. He went to the gym almost every day. In the beginning, his workout was often just getting out of the car, getting into the wheelchair, rolling himself to the gym doors. By then, he was totally exhausted. He'd turn around and go home, but he kept doing it every day. Now he taught himself to walk again. He reinvented his golf swing. And he recently told me that he wants to learn, relearn how to downhill ski again. Through it all, he deals with the phantom limb pain. The leg is no longer there, but it constantly burns with extreme pain most hours of the day. But most people only see his joy. My dad wasn't always a pillar of hope and joy. When I was younger, we had a difficult, painful relationship. It was an impossible relationship. But can I tell you that God healed our relationship? He did the impossible for my dad and I. He took a relationship that had pretty much died and breathed life into it. And it makes me cry just typing this, even though we've had 15 years of powerful healing. She goes on to say, you have to understand my dad is is a first-generation Korean man. He was raised in the culture of pride and hierarchy during the Korean War. For a Korean father to ask his daughter to forgive him is simply unheard of. He's also a Taekwondo master with an eight-degree black belt. My mom has old newspaper clippings of him breaking bricks with his head. He even trained Bruce Lee in form when he first came to this country. For a father like this, so proud and so accomplished, to ask his daughter to forgive him, that's asking for a miracle. Miracles still happen. The impossible is still possible. My dad asked me to forgive him, and his heart began to soften. And over the years, pride has been replaced by joy. People ask me all the time, how can I dream so big, uh, go after such impossible things and not give up? But when you've experienced the one thing that your heart thought, was impossible too difficult for even God in the universe to heal you realize the impossible becoming possible is still alive and well my relationship with my dad was all but dead it's been restored beyond measure it's more alive than I ever thought possible or even dared to dream what impossibles do you face in your life right now what relationship seems impossible to heal May our story of father and daughter, story of redemption, give you hope. My dad has become one of my heroes. He sends me texts with encouraging, loving words. He's the best papa to my kids. And he chooses to fight uh, every day through pain's isolation and discouragement. 
He chooses hope and joy instead of pride and anger. He's the living proof that the impossible is still possible. May the breath of hope breathe new life into your impossibles. Now, this was written by, uh, I may not pronounce this just right, Mayra Ko. She's a master photographer, a best-selling author, and a producer and host of a program on Disney Junior Channel. So this is an amazing thing, isn't it? And you know, today, I want to talk about redemption. Redemption in our families, in our relationships, especially as it relates to moms and dads. And the question I would ask, especially to the dads today, can we as fathers, can we bring about restoration and redemption in our families? I want to read from Luke's Gospel, chapter 15. Jesus is giving a parable. He's speaking here. Begin in verse 11. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to the father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not longer after that, the younger son got together all that he had, set off for a distant country. And there he squandered his wealth and wild living. And after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything to eat. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food and to spare? I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son and he threw his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they begin to celebrate. What a story of redemption. And for us who are dads, we understand probably, maybe if your children are still young, maybe you don't understand this, but if you have grown children, you can really relate to this. And you know, uh, in our relationships between a father and a dad, just like the humorous little skit showed there, uh, man, there's lots of ups and downs in those relationships, isn't it? You always love them. There's always challenges. There are always, especially as they get older each stage, there's always challenges there. And I want to talk to you today about, you know, about building bridges, uh, you know, and not burning them. You know, many times, just like this son, he reached an age where, you know, he wanted to spread his wings. He wanted to get out and make his own way and kind of establish his own identity. And kids do that as they get older, don't they? And they don't always make right choices. But, you know, if you can remember back when you were that age, you didn't make them just right all the time either, did you? 
Now, you know, of course, to hear our story today, we did. <laughs> but if our parents were still alive and they could put in a few words, they would bring that correction out real quickly. But look, just like this young man, he didn't make a good decision, did he? And maybe some of our uh, family members, our sons and daughters, maybe they haven't made good decisions either. And, you know, it's so easy. I've seen it happen, you know, as a pastor through the years and just as, uh, just as friends and other people. I've seen people, instead of building bridges when that relationship splinters or something happens to separate it, you know, they want to burn their bridge. You know, how do we burn our bridge, man? One of the chief ways we burn our bridge is with the words that come out our mouth. Isn't that right? Maybe we have a disagreement. Maybe there's just a flat out falling out. But then we want to pile on with our words. and We want to say things that really cause the bridge to be burned instead of their way for the comeback. Obviously, this father left when his son parted. I'm sure he wasn't happy about his son leaving and taking his inheritance and leaving him. But obviously, this father that Jesus talked about, he left his bridge intact enough so that this young man felt like he could come back. How do we burn our bridges? Well, I think the chief way we do it, as I said a minute ago, is by our words. You remember what James, the Apostle James said over there in James 3? He talked about the power of the tongue, didn't he? And I just want to read a couple of scriptures. I, I would encourage you, read that whole chapter 3. It's a very powerful spiritual truth contained in that. But I just want to read a couple of verses here. He says uh, in verse 5 there, he says, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire. We're talking about burning bridges. Is a fire, a world of iniquity. Mm. He says, uh, he said, Notice it makes grace boast. And he consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and it itself is set on fire by hell. Now, dads, you know, when we have a disagreement, when there's a falling out, listen, don't burn your bridge by piling on, by saying words that are hurtful, that are cruel. You know, don't slam the door and say, okay, that's it. I disown you. You can never come back. I've had it with you. I'm through with you. You're just making stupid decisions. You're, we, what do we do? We burn our bridges in relationships. And then what? If a bridge is burned, how can someone come back? How can they cross back and come back and be accepted uh, in our family and in our good graces again? Listen, let's don't burn our bridges. Especially, I'm speaking to dads, but this is true in all our relationships. Husband and wife, uh, you know, our relationships. Let's don't burn our bridges, people. Listen, what's the most important thing in our life? Is it being right or having that person that we love, that is special, that God put in our life, having them with us in a right relationship? I've seen some people, boy, I'm telling you, the most important thing in their life is being right. What a small thing to gain to lose so much. 
to lose a son or a daughter, to lose a relationship with a spouse or even with a, a brother or sister in the Lord or a close friend. What, I mean, does being right mean that much to you that you will burn every bridge? That you'll just say, that's it? I'm not going to have anything else to do with you? Let me encourage you. Don't, don't burn your bridges. Listen, disagreements are inevitable. Show me a husband and wife say they've never had an argument or a disagreement, and I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to tell you they'll lie about other things. <laughs> Come on. Now, you know, you can have, now it goes back, so you can have a disagreement in love or a disagreement where, you know, you burn your bridge. See, so just because you have a disagreement, there's nothing wrong with that. That's called a relationship. Isn't that right? You get two people in close proximity, they bump around. You add another two or three kids into that, and there's a whole lot of bumping around, isn't there? But we can do it in love. We can do it in a way that doesn't leave wounds, that doesn't drive people away or separate people even if they choose to leave. There's a bridge for them to come back. And so I would say, you know, the first thing to do, the starting place is, is to keep hope alive. If there's been a fractured relationship between a son or a daughter or somebody else and a family member that's close to you, I'd say the first thing to do to keep that bridge there is to keep hope alive. You, know, you notice in the story it says that the dad saw him coming a long way off. Now, evidently, the dad was in the habit of looking for his son daily. Now, I'm not saying he was out there all day, but there was, I mean, in his daily routine, he was constantly looking to see if the son would come because he spotted him a long way off. So evidently, the dad, what, left his bridge intact, and he had hope that one day his son would return. So the first thing is have some hope. That's the way we keep our bridge intact. You say, yeah, but you don't know. We, we parted, man. I mean, it was hard words. It was angry words. It was, it was bitter words. It was tough. Listen, keep hope alive. Hope is the thing that has to do with your future. Really, I, it, hope is like a lifeline to your future. The scriptures tell us this. Faith gives substance to the things we have hope for. So the first thing you got to do is what? you got to have some hope. Before I can believe that God will restore that relationship, i got to start with some hope. And that may be just begin with, you know, you know, keeping your heart open to them, open to that relationship being healed, open to them coming back, being ready to forgive, being quick to forgive. You've got a hope. You've got a bridge that's built there. Instead of just burning it and saying, that's it, I'm not going to have anything to do with you. Aren't you glad your heavenly father wasn't that way? Oh my gosh. If anybody had a right to be mad, to be say, that's it, I, you're out of here, that's it, it's over for you, it would have been our heavenly father, wouldn't it? I mean, after everything we've done against him, every, everything we've said, we've thought, our actions, yet notice it says that God so loved the world. Oh, man. I sure am glad that we got that kind of papa. And you know what? The Bible says for us 
that God's love has been shed abroad or put into our heart by the Holy Spirit. So that love is in there. That ability to love like he loves is in each of us as believers. But here's the thing. Keep that bridge up. Don't burn it. Keep hope alive. Keep love alive. Keep believing that that person, even though it seems like there's an incredible gulf between you and them, even though it seems like they're going completely away from the way, uh, the things that you taught them, don't give up on them. Keep your bridge. Keep it up. Keep it in shape. Just like this father, every day, you, even though it, it may not be in the natural, but every day you're expecting a text to come, a phone to ring, the, somebody to, them to show up at your door, whatever it might be, you keep hope alive. Keep hope alive. Building bridges, not burning them. And you know, here's the thing. We need to forget our pain and embrace what we gain in relationships. Does it hurt when a loved one goes and separates from you, especially if there's been hurtful words or hurtful actions? Absolutely it hurts. The reason it hurts is because there's so much love there. There's a pain there when somebody that you love deeply, you, you've invested love deeply in, when they go their own way, when there's a sharp disagreement and there's a splinter that happens in that, there's a woundedness that happens there. It hurts. It hurts. And you know, as a parent, you know, what you want to do, you know, what we do as parents, we're, we're fixers, aren't we? We want to fix it. I want to fix it. Just like the picture of the dad, you know, when he got up in the bed and the, the boyfriend and girlfriend thing, all you dads with young girls, get ready. But you want to fix it. You want to fix it. You don't, man, I don't want daddy, I don't want my little girl, daddy's little girl. She's not, I better mess with her. Man, I'm telling you, 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 you know, you get, you get something stirred up there and pop a real quick with the girls. But here's what we've got to understand. We've got to forget our pain and embrace our gain. Notice this father again. When his son came back to him and his son tried to rehearse this speech, you know, his son had this speech down. You know, I, I'm going I'm to tell dad, you know, I've been a jerk. I'm just a loose translation. Modern translation. Dad, I've, I know I've been a jerk. I, I know I've made some mistakes. I know I messed it up royally, dad. I've made a big mess of everything. I lost everything you gave me. And I don't deserve you. You notice his dad, that didn't even register on his dad. His dad didn't take him to task. His dad didn't sit him down and say, now I told you so, didn't I? Happened just like I told you it would, didn't I? He did, when he came back, he just, he forgot his pain and he embraced his gain. He said, my son that was dead is now alive. People, listen to me, people are always the most important thing. Under God, People are always the most important thing. They're the most important thing to God. They're more important than houses, lands, possessions, money. Jesus didn't go to Calvary, you know, and die, you know, for a house or for a fat bank account. He went for people, didn't he? And this man, when he, this father, he, did, he just totally ignored how bad his son had blown it. 
He, didn't, he, didn't, he never even brought it up. You could tell he hadn't burned his bridge. And he was embracing the gain. And obviously, a long time ago, he'd already forgiven and let go of the pain. Isn't that true? So, you notice this man, when he saw his son coming, it says he ran to meet him. You know, in relationships, you know, to restore relationship really is like, it's like running to meet your future. This dad, when he saw his son coming, he ran toward him. He ran to embrace him. He ran to let him know he was forgiven. He ran to him to let him know that, that he was accepted, that he was loved, that he was not rejected. And you know, the scriptures teach us that there's a level of growth and maturity as children of God where we do that. How many times have I seen talking to parents who were going through heartache with a child or something that was, you know, as we say, is out in the world, going their own way, not following, you know, after God. And you could come in and you could hear in the parent's voice, you know, they're waiting for that child to come back. They're waiting for them to come back, you know, and, and, and you know, and, and, and straighten up and do everything right and get it just right. And then when they do that, they're going to forgive them and they're going to accept them. Well, I want to tell you something. The, par <clears throat> the parable that Jesus, <clears throat> pardon me, that gives us here is that this man, he embraced his son. He ran to meet his future. You know what? Maybe if we took the first step, maybe if we took the first step, dads, if we took the first step, husbands, if we took the first step, friends, if we took that first step and said, you know what? I'm going to reach out because you know what? People are what matters. It's... They hurt me, yes, but that's not what matters. But see, here's the thing. You can choose forgiveness or you can choose bitterness. Isn't that true? What's important to you? Why? I never understood. Why would someone want to keep their pain? Yeah, anybody ever had pain in your body? Wasn't it a wonderful thing? No. Okay. No. I mean, you know. Obviously, it's good because it lets you know something's wrong. But, you know, it's not something you want to live with forever, is it? And so why would you want to keep this emotional pain of bitterness and unforgiveness and keep nursing and rehearsing that thing that separated and splintered that relationship? Why not let it go? Why not forgive it and get the, that person, embrace that person back into your life? If a person... Hurting you could cause you that much pain. Think how much more the joy it would be by embracing them again in your life. Oh, what a wonderful thing. And see, God understood that. That's the reason why he went through so much pain at Calvary. Because what? He wanted all the gain. Isn't that what Hebrews says over there? For the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the pain and the shame in order to get you and I the gain. Can't we let go of our hurt? Can we choose to forgive? 
Colossians, I want to read you scripture over there. Colossians chapter 3. Listen to what Paul is writing here by the Holy Spirit. Bear with each other. Bear with each other. Well, why would he write that to Christians? We're all perfect. <laughs> and forgive whatever grievance you may have against one another. Forgive. He didn't say hold on to it. He didn't say rehearse it. He didn't say tell, go tell everybody about it. It's amazing. We do everything, but what God plainly said, he said, just forgive it. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love. Forgive. Forgive that family member. Forgive that spouse. Forgive that best friend. Forgive that brother or sister, whatever, whoever it may be. Forgive that hurt. Because what you're going to gain is a treasure that is beyond measure. You're going to get that person that you love so much, even though they hurt you, that you love so much, that means so much to you, you get them back as a part of your life. Listen, our families, you know, families are a strange thing, aren't they? Come on, listen. Can we? You know, I know I'm a little heavy here. We'll lighten it up a bit. But families are a strange thing. It's one of the reasons we, we, we wanted to show this particular video because, you know, you, sometimes, you know, we get really spiritual about these things and there's that side. But, you know, families, are, what can I say? <laughs> families are, you know, they get, everybody's got their quirks. You got your quirkiness in your families. You got this and that. You know, if we could sit down and everybody could tell their stories, especially if we got brothers and sisters starting to tell it. You'd hear all kinds of stuff, you know, all kind of quirky things. Uh, we all got our little traditions, little things that we like to do and all that. But you know what? At the end of the day, with all of that, you know, as I like to say, warts and all, they're our family. They're part of us. And that means that they are, are special and valuable to us. They really are a treasure that can't be measured. And you know, we need to, maybe today you're here and, and maybe there's been a splintered relationship within your family or something, uh, maybe with your dad or whatever, but you know what? God had a reason for putting you in a family. He had a reason for, for putting you in a family. And no matter how disjointed your family may be, how you may think, man, I'm telling you, we're, we're the picture child there of a disjointed family. That's us. Our picture's right there in the book. Listen, there's still hope for you, and there's hope for your family. Because here's the thing. If you get God involved, He can work, just like we, this young lady that I read about in the introduction. He can work in people's hearts. He can work in the interior. He can reach places you and I can never reach. And we can regain that treasure. In Galatians 6... I want to read this. this. I think this is so important. We, we so need to practice this in the church and in our families. Galatians 6, 1, listen to this. He said, brothers, if someone's caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. I'm not sure if I, I don't know if I've ever seen anybody do that. That might be one of the greater miracles Jesus was talking about. 
So often in the church, what do we want to do? We want to run tell it. Did you hear what so-and-so did? Did you hear what they said? No, what was it? Our eyes light up. He didn't say go tell it. I heard one brother teaching from this one time. He asked the Lord, he said, Lord, why don't we see this happening in the church? He said, he said, he said uh, because there's no spiritual people among you. Oh, my gosh. And I mean, you know, he was talking to the pastor of the church. <laughs> because in that what he said, he said, if someone's caught in a sin, you who are spiritual. See, the people who are not spiritual are the ones who are talking and broadcasting it. Or they're judging people. He didn't say you which are spiritual. Judge them, condemn them. Kick them, turn them out of the church. Post it on your Facebook, what they did. Come on. And not only restore him, but restore him gently. Gently. You know what? There'd be a lot of people in church now that used to be in church, but aren't now. There would be a lot more of them here if we had practiced this. You know, you know why so many Christians, children of God, that love God, but you know they're not in church? They got hurt in church. Or maybe they made a mistake. Oh, God forbid that we make a mistake. And man, instead of us restoring them gently, man... Boom, we lowered the hammer on them. We told everybody. So now they can't come because everybody knows about it. Oh, yeah, you can tell me how you'd be different. Oh, sure you would. No, you'd, you'd be the same way. Listen, we've got to start practicing this, church. When we stand before Jesus, do you think this might be one of the things he talks to us about? I do. I do. What did Jesus say to the woman that was caught in adultery? You're going to bust hell wide open. No, that's not what he said. He said, where are your accusers? Is any man condemned? She said, no man. Well, he said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. You know what he said? He said, but watch yourself. You also may be tempted. Super saint. Isn't that right? Carry each other's burdens. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. Well, what is the law of Christ? It's the law of love. Isn't that what he said? He said, if we, if we love as Jesus loved, we fulfill, the, the law is fulfilled in that, isn't that right? We love one another. We're not out to get one another, we're out to love one another. So how do we restore somebody? Let me give you some suggestions here. First of all, if there's a splendor relationship, I mentioned this one already, keep hope alive. Secondly, keep forgiveness and compassion in your heart toward that person. Not judgment, not bitterness. Have compassion. 
Then, as, as you have an opportunity to res, begin to restore that relationship, do it gently. Gently. You know, I grew up in the country, you know, and I, I worked on a farm. We, did, we, we, we were too poor to own a farm, but I got to work on it. I'm not sure how I like that, but anyway. But you know, uh, they used to do something called slop the hogs. Now, all you young people will have to Google that. <laughs> but there, there used to be, in those days, you know, they'd have a lot of the food that was left over and stuff. We'd put it in a slop bucket and put it in a slop bucket. Pastor Ed knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> and, you know, and then, we'd, you know, you'd take that out. and you'd, You know, that's what this young man was doing in a sense. He was slopping the hogs. It's not the, not, the, not the most fun job to have on the farm. But he put that out there. But you know what? Those hogs would come up to eat. But you know, if somebody had stood there, if the farmer had stood there with a big stick, and every time they come up to eat, he just whacked them as hard as he could, you know what? Even a hog wouldn't come eat. And so many times, you know, Christians... That maybe they've missed it. Maybe there's been a splintering uh, between them and, and, and the church or between them and somebody in the church. But here's what we're doing. We're, we're standing up with a big stick. And every time they try to come back and get some nourishment and, and get some forgiveness and get some healing, whack. I'm telling you what, I don't blame them. I wouldn't come either. If you treat me that way, I won't come back. And if, if anybody treats you that way, you, you won't come back. Isn't that true? So restore him gently. And notice, when, when he came back, he treated him just the same as before he left. said, put a robe on him. Put the best robe on him. Put a ring on him. Give him some new shoes. Let's throw a party. Wait a minute, Dad, you got this all wrong. Sit him down. Set him straight. Tell him, tell him what for. Give them a piece of your mind. Most of us can't afford to give away a piece of our mind. <laughs> you know, we sing the song Amazing Grace a lot, don't we? And I do love that song, don't you? And I, for one, am a recipient of that amazing grace. Maybe you were practically perfect. God didn't have to forgive you so much. Maybe that's why it's different for me. I knew what God got when he got me. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't get much. But notice here what Peter says. Above all, love each other deeply. Love each other deeply. Dads, your children, your wife. Spouses, love each other deeply, brothers and sisters in the Lord. Love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Love doesn't broadcast it. Love's not going out. You know, like I've heard some people say, well, I'm just called to be a fruit inspector. Listen, he said, Love each other deeply. Listen, if we're still broadcasting people's sins, their faults, their failures, we're not loving deeply. And now what the Scripture says? Love one another deeply. Because if we love one another deeply, as Jesus loved us, as Christ loved us, then He said that love's going to what? It's going to cover over. 
It's going to cover over. I'm always, when you hear me talk about uh, my children, you know, I'm going to talk about, you know, how great they are, how wonderful they are, how much I love them, how special they are. I'm always, you know, I'm going to talk about my wife. I'm going to talk about how wonderful she is, how pretty she is, what a good cook she is. (laughs) You know, but here's the thing, and about brothers and sisters, listen. That doesn't mean that we don't know each other's faults, but that's not what I'm focused on. You know, I've said this before. You, you know, you ever been in, uh, maybe you may have, some of you ladies may have one at home, you know, these, these makeup mirrors, you know, sometimes we'll, we'll stay in a hotel and they'll have these mirrors that, you know, they, I guess they're for makeup, they magnify. I, I don't know, when I look at them, I scare myself, you know. But they, you know what I'm talking about? They just, man, I, you can see every perfection, imperfection in there. Every, every, I mean, every little thing that's not just right and all, you know. And have you ever noticed if you just stare at your face intently in a mirror, you stare there long enough, all you're going to see what is what's wrong. Sometimes I think that's what we do in the church and in families. We're looking just for the imperfections. But he says, love Covers what? A multitude. Man, you know what? Love just puts that heavenly makeup on. Man, you ever see, man, you see some of those, you know, on those pictures, uh, their face, you know, you see some of these models and their, their complexion. I mean, it doesn't even look like they have pores. You know, they, they just, you know, they've airbrushed it and they put on that makeup, whatever they do, you know. <clears throat> and I mean, they look just perfection. And he's saying here that love covers that way. <clears throat> Pardon me. It fills in all the imperfections. You know, uh, back in ancient days in Greek, in, in Greece, when they did the sculpturing and everything, <clears throat> you know, when they would do a sculpture, sometimes, you know, a piece of the marble might have just a, a little piece, a little, just a little bit of something missing here, you know, a little, little scrape or a little indention in it or something. And they would go back and they would fill all that in, usually with wax. So that when you looked at it, it looked like it was what? Absolutely perfect. I mean, it looked perfect in every detail. Perfect in every detail. And, you know, as believers... We need to just take love, and when we see maybe an imperfection in somebody, if it's in our home and our families, if it's uh, with our brothers and sisters, take some love and just let love fill in that indention, that imperfection. Let love fill that in. See them in a different, in a whole different way. Because I found this out. When we love people that way and we treat people that way, it's amazing how all of a sudden, with God's grace, there begins to be a transformation in those people's lives. I don't know about you, but getting beat up has never really helped me grow up. It's helped me avoid some people. (laughs) It's going to beat me up. The restoring power of mercy. Restoring power of mercy is a part of this. James says this. We're going to close here in just a minute. We're going to have our communion time and prayer time. But in James 2.15, notice what he says here. 
excuse me, 2.13. He says, uh, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Wow. You know, this is from the guy that, you know, said, Lord, uh, you know, uh, let's call you know, let's call down lightning on them. <laughs> you know, he's the one that pulled out the sword and cut off the guy's ear, you know, and evidently he learned some lessons, didn't he? This old hard, tough fisherman, Peter, he learned, he said, you know what? Here's how we restore people. We give them mercy. We give them mercy. I, I, I would just suggest this to you and, and I, myself as well. Let's just leave all the judgment with God unless you and I just show them love and mercy. What do you think? Because God's the only one that's got all the facts anyway, isn't he? You don't have all the facts about somebody. Oh, you, might, you might have seen them do something or heard them say something, but you don't have all the facts. You don't know their heart. You don't know what their motive was. You don't know what it's about. Let, we just leave all that with God. He's got all the facts. Let's do what he has t- uh, commanded us to do, and that is what show love and mercy. Show love and mercy. What do you think? That way, you know what? We can celebrate restoration. You know, I believe if we begin to practice this in the church, we begin to celebrate restoration, we would see people who are away from church begin to flock back. They would come back. And you know, if all the Christians who are not in church right now just in this city alone were to come back, all the churches in our city couldn't hold them. Couldn't hold them. If we'd start celebrating what? Restoration. You know, restoration. Them coming back, just like the Father in the parable that Jesus came, gave. Of course, we know that that Father in the parable, He was a type of our Heavenly Father, wasn't He? That's the way the Heavenly Father is. That's what He did for you and I. When we were a long way off from God. Some of us were further off than others. I was a long way off. You know, the Father, He had hope. When He sent Jesus to Calvary, you know what that said? The Father had hope for you and I. He had hope for all those who are outside these walls. He had hope. And He had arms open wide. And he had compassion for them to be restored. He doesn't, he's not waiting for them to come back so he can tell them where they've done everything wrong. He's saying, you come on home. Come on home. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you're here today and maybe, maybe you've been away because maybe you've been hurt. Maybe you were hurt in church. I want to tell you something. Listen. The Father is saying, and we at Passion Church are saying, you know, come on home. Come on home. There's no judgment here. I said, there's no judgment here. I'll tell you what there is here. There's forgiveness. There's love. There's mercy. There's grace. There's a helping hand. Would you bow your heads just for a moment? Let me ask you a couple of things here as we get ready to pray. Ask yourself this. Do I need to forgive? 
Is there someone I need to forgive? Is there, has there been a splinter in a relationship with a child or dad? Some other member of the family or, or maybe somebody that's a close friend or somebody that's a brother or sister of the Lord. Is there someone that I need to forgive? They've hurt me. I mean, let's just be honest. It hurts. Sure, it hurts. And we've all experienced that. But is there someone I need to forgive? Then right now, I would encourage you, just in your own heart, forgive. Just give it to God. Say, God, the best I know how, I'm forgiving them. I'm letting go of the hurt. I'm letting go of the pain. I'm giving it to you. I'm forgiving them. And then secondly, reach out to them in love and humility. Maybe after you leave today, give them a call. Especially if it's a mom or a dad or son or a daughter. Give them a call. Just reach out to them. You know, we think, oh, it's too late. It's too late, Pastor. You just don't know it's too late. It's not too late. Reach out to them. But in love and humility, in love and humility, be the bigger person. Let the love of Jesus rise up within you. And then let go of the pain once and for all and embrace those you gain. Just let go of the pain and embrace those that you gain. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's Word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.